Gentlemen, talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And we are starting the weekend off the right way. The weekend is awesome. And so is Duff McKagan. Here it is. The world famous joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Uh, you know, I was at work uh, yesterday. My boss said he's going to fire the person with the worst posture. I have a hunch. It may be me. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> Ah, that's great. Duff McKagan delivering the laughs every Friday without fail. He never let us down in over two years, even when he was around the world touring with Guns N' Roses, uh, touring with uh, Shooter Jennings and the Tenderness Tour. He always comes through. Duff and GNR just wrapped their fall tour last weekend. They're not in this lifetime tour. It's over. They had a blowout show in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace. Uh, will they do more tour dates? Will they be doing a new record? Hopefully we'll get some new music from them. Uh, all Guns N' Roses news, you will hear it here on Talk is Jericho. All right, from Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, we turn to the son of a WWE Hall of Famer, Donald Trump Jr. is on Talk is Jericho today. And I've never had a guest uh, that's been as polarizing as this. Obviously, just like the president of the United States, people either love Donald Trump or they uh, viciously hate him. Uh, I am neither. Uh, I am nonpartisan. And uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat, I'm just looking for uh, someone to do the right thing, I guess you would say. And some people think Trump is and some people think he isn't. I think as a journalist, which basically that's where this all started. Talk is Jericho being a journalist. I have a journalism degree. I've written four books. I've done over 600 episodes of Talk is Jericho. And I've always tried to remain fair and level-headed to my guests, whether it be somebody claiming that they were uh, attacked by a family of Sasquatches, whether it's flat earth society uh, type people, whether I, I did a controversial show about the life and times of Chris Benoit talking about the positive, about his wrestling, not about the end of his life. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview Donald Trump Jr. And I took it as a journalist, uh, much like if I had the opportunity to, uh, it's not the same thing, but to, to talk to Edie Amin or uh, or a full pot or something like that. Um, that is, uh, I think it's something that I uh, owe to everybody to hear, um, you know, like I said, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, talk about his new book, Triggered, and all of his thoughts and hopes and beliefs. Uh, if you absolutely hate Trump and the Trump administration, then don't listen to Talk is Jericho. I've had a lot of people say that I'm never going to listen to the show again. I'm not going to buy full gear pay-per-view and I'm not going to do Listen, if just having somebody on my show angers you, then I appreciate you listening for as long as you did. Um, if you never come back, well, I hope you have a great journey to wherever you go. If you like the the interview, I appreciate that as well. Bottom line is we're still doing everything that we do, uh, wrestling, music, rock and roll, classic album clashes, comedians, uh, you know, watch alongs, all the fun stuff we do. But this is the first political guest I've had in Donald Trump Jr. And I hope you like it. Uh, even if you don't like uh, Jr. as a person or what he and his family stand for, I hope you like it as an interview. And I ask you uh, to check it out on that uh, uh, aspect. So uh, having said that, Don's new book, uh, Triggered, How the Left Thrives on Hate and Wants to Silence Us, silence us uh, came out last week. Uh, it's a very interesting read. Uh, and I went to Trump Tower in New York City, uh, 25th floor, his office, to talk about uh, the book, his dad, Donald Trump Sr., the most polarizing president in American history. I said that as why, by the way, dealing with haters, uh, 
his own political aspirations, and of course, what he remembers about the WWE Battle of the Billionaires, his family's long relationship with uh, the McMahon family, Vince, and, and we talk about Linda McMahon as well. But before we get to my conversation uh, with Donald Trump Jr., like I said before, uh, keep in mind that we've always been a platform uh, for people to share their ideas. Uh, that doesn't mean that you or even me have to agree with everything they say and believe, but I hope we can listen to what they have to say and respect their right to say it and believe what they say. Uh, so, yeah, hope you guys dig it. And if you want to uh, completely run me over the coals on the Twitter, then uh, then uh, I'll be waiting. So, anyways, uh, thank you to all the sponsors as well that make Talk is Jericho possible, uh, including Indeed.com. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need help uh, getting to your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com slash Jericho. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard uh, when you need to hire fast accelerate your results with sponsored jobs new users can try that for free at indeed.com slash jericho that's indeed.com slash jericho terms conditions and quality standards apply well i, I did go through a, a no diet coke phase but i'm back into it again now yeah. i didn't know it was one of the options so i probably would have taken uh-huh. one and this is uh, donald trump jr taking my drink order here Towers, which is so funny because we met two minutes ago and you said about 15 things that I was like, I wish I had this tape recorder. Yeah, on. we could get it going. Yeah, uh, right I'm off usually the good for a sound button. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something a else. A few other ones. On. But this is cool. It was, uh, we were just talking about it. it was a great coincidence of a friend of a friend knows your press agent. And uh, here we are talking uh, about your new book and about all these other things that are going on uh, as the window cleaners come. Yeah, How well, New York yeah, City yeah, is yeah. that? It's probably the NSA. <laughs> it's the paparazzi taking on us. Are you a Russian agent, Chris? <laughs> I'm are, in trouble now. Well, my, are you a Russian agent? My grandparents are from the Ukraine, so oh, there might be some problems here. Kluchuk is my mom's For the name. record, uh, I am not aware of any of your dealings. Uh, you know, This will save me about another 30 hours of testimony in front of the House and Senate right. trying to throw me in jail for the last two and a half years. You know, you know, a little part of the book. <laughs> Exactly. You didn't know, right? Yeah. He's Kluchuk's his mother's maiden name. Get him out of oh, here. Oh, boy, we're in trouble. Uh, well, they, they tried doing that with me. I mean, uh, you know, in the book, I talk about it, but I have an upbringing. You know, my mom's from what was then communist Czechoslovakia. Right. So, you know, my grandfather was an electrician, you know, blue collar guy. And so he loved what we had here in this country. Uh, and it was like, that's so amazing. But you have to see the other side. So from a young age, I mean, five years old, you know, three years old, I started speaking fluently. Five years old, he started taking me over there. Oh, wow. You know, during, you know, the early 80s, like peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, behind the wall, so to speak. Uh, you know, and and it's so interesting now. There were, you know, when with all the nonsense and the inquiry, he speaks Czech. He, <laughs> he must be Russian. That's the link. I go like, do you know anything about European? Like these people were literally oppressed for forty years by the communists. They're not exactly fans. Like you know, this is kind of the nonsense that we have to live with. I'm sure that's pretty important to your parents. And once again, as a young kid, like you mentioned earlier, the son of a billionaire. But then you're going to see, yeah. you know, a Czech Republic. It was Czechoslovakia, kind of the other side of the coin. That's probably pretty important for for you to see as as a young kid growing up to know that like we're not uh, normal people here no correct i mean you know my grandfather again blue collar electrician from over there uh you know he saw that side and then he saw here for the first Mm -hmm. time i mean he he was over here the first time when my parents got married right and I, i still look at the wedding photo and it's him and my mom and i go you know where's my grandmother well, she wasn't allowed to come over because they wouldn't let them both leave really? for fear of defection, right? Yeah. So I go, man, like, this was like the stuff that it, as a kid started formulating my opinions towards socialism and communism and all of these things. And, you know, one of my earliest memories in the, in the book, I talk about it quite a bit, uh, you know, was going over there 
because again, he had that conversation with my dad, like your blessings here are insane, like, mm-hmm. but you have to see the other side. So you don't take anything for granted. So you don't just assume this is normal, like you said. Right. And, you know, I, I'd go over there and my first early memories, it was the first time I was sort of afraid was, you know, going in line and, you know, this was early eighties, right? So I was, I was pretty cool in my like jean jacket <laughs> with like stars and stripes on it and stuff like that, but I was five. Right. You know, and I remember getting pulled out of line. Mm. Uh, you know, and going to customs there on arrival the first time there, you know, by this guy in like a you know, Soviet type of drab, you know, communist uniform with an AK over his shoulder. Uh, and I was like, I mean, they literally started questioning me. Like, was I there to, you know, spread the great you know, word of capitalism? <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. I'm five years old. And so, you know, I just remember that system of, you know, you know, that first time having fear because of this, being told you can never wear that here mm-hmm. because it represented America. And I was trying to figure out what, I didn't even know what that meant at that age. Uh, you know, but now as, as we see and sort of evolved, and, you know, I know this is obviously less political, but it's sort of, you know, cultural. Uh, and, and for me is, you know, as I see sort of, you know, the mainstream left start going towards socialism and communism, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you know, my mom escaped from this. You know, I had those experiences growing up. I've waited in those bread lines that everyone thinks are so wonderful. And I can mm. assure you they're not, you know, because I was a young kid. So guess what? You know, my grandfather was an old school guy. He's like, yeah, you're going to the shop. You're going shopping, not me. Uh, you know, go get it done. And those experiences are sort of just compounding um, on me. And like to this day, you know, I see it because my, my grandmother still, she's 93. She's still alive. Um, you know, she's a tough woman, you know, tougher than most of us, maybe not you, but, uh, <laughs> certainly tougher than me, you know, spent her early twenties hiding in the basement of her farmhouse from the Nazis, uh, you know, during, during world war II, uh, then lived through, you know, the communist occupation and, and, and all the, the terrors of, of that, you know, at least economically and, uh, you know, motivationally. Uh, and so then she got to experience, you know, her daughter broke out of that and lived the American dream and got to see all of that. And now she's over there and, you know, they only have like CNN over there and it's mm-hmm. like, socialism's a wonderful idea. We should bring that <laughs> shit here. And I mean, she literally, this is a woman who's been through a lot and she's calling me like in tears. Hmm. Like, you can't let that happen. She doesn't know that I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm pretty vocal about this stuff. <laughs> right, uh, right, my right, dad's right. got this covered. We're fighting hard. But, mm. you know, I mean, this is a woman, again, been through a lot, but she's in tears because she's worried about my future, you know, her grandchildren, uh, you know, my kids, her great grandchildren. She's like, you don't understand. It always sounds so great. Uh, everything's always free. Everything's always mm. wonderful. And then they get you and it just goes downhill from there. And, you know, that's sort of my motivation, you know, being out there. And it's a big part of the book because it's sort of a long form take. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not supposed to be uh, you know, a conservative or even a conservative activist. I'm, you know, the son of a billionaire from New York. I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to an Ivy League school. I get that. But I had some of these life experiences throughout that sort of, you know, took that mindset that I'm supposed to have and really altered it greatly. Mm. It's interesting. Just a quick segue is uh, I'm from Canada where you have like the, you know, the universal health care, the government pays mm-hmm. for the health care. It's great if you have, you know, if you're uh, hunting and you slash your finger with a, with a, yeah. with a hunting knife, it sucks if you have cancer, cancer or yeah. go wait it. in line for nine months. Maybe we'll see you. And the problem is right. Like, you know, if you're wealthy enough, you come to the U.S. and you get it done. Yeah. You know, I didn't see Bernie Sanders running to Canada when he had a heart attack for that, you know, for that wonderful health care. And I think that's the point. You know, everything sounds great on paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not always reality. And the reality, you also pay heavily for that. I mean, your, your yeah. tax rates are incredibly high. So, yeah, it's there. But I, I look at the plans. I mean, you know, Elizabeth Warren's plan, you know, over 10 years, 52, 53, whatever it is, trillion dollars. Okay, so let's call it you know, five trillion a year. The US mm. government brings in tax revenue, everything, about six trillion a year. Mm-hmm. So take, let's call it 90% of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and well, that doesn't fix a road. 
that doesn't build a school, mm-hmm. that doesn't pay for our military. A policeman. Like, yeah. A policeman. You know, I mean, law and order is another one we can get into because that's, you know, gone by the wayside from the other side. But, I mean, that's not responsible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, you can't just throw that out there. But because of the, the, the narrative and because of the uneven playing field, it's like, this is a wonderful plan on the mainstream media. But I'm like, right. it's not responsible, man. There needs to be an adult in the room saying that, you know, you can't do this. By the way, you eliminate private insurance, which is so good for so many Americans and has allowed them to do that. You know, like like the you know the notion of Reagan. You know, the scariest words you know, ever heard are "I'm here from the government. I want to help." You know what I mean? Like, it, you, know, it, uh, you know, it can only go downhill from there. What um, uh, when you're talking about writing a book? Because I've written four of them. It's funny because Hachette is your publisher, yeah. and I think three of my books are with Hachette. Oh, very cool. Great, uh, great company, but. What made you decide to write the book? It's, it's triggered, uh, is the name of it, and we're talking about like just reading, reading, uh, reading through it. You, obviously, you're very opinionated uh, towards what you believe in, which is part of the Trump charm yeah. and part of the Trump, uh, you know, hatred yeah, from the it, other it, side. It, it works both ways, right, right, right. So, what made you decide to finally put all these thoughts in in the book? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I mean, for me, you know, the experience I've had over the last let's call it four years. You know, obviously, there's the life experiences. There's that. There's growing up sort of, you know, while I went to a boarding school, I get that was an elite school. It was in the middle of Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, a Pottstown, PA, home of Firestone Tires. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, the first girls I ever dated were from, you know, from town, right? So I, I knew a lot of those people from those areas that have watched sort of their American dream just get exported. Uh, you know, it's been our only big export as a country for so long. And, you know, bad trade policies, you know, politicians making deals that have no business making deals because you know, all they've been is politicians. They've never done these things in, in practice or, or in the real world. And so, you know, I, the people for years are like, Don, you got to write the business book. I'm like, in all fairness, like, come on, like, my, you know, my dad's got that covered. Like, I, you know, like I'm writing the book that I learned about the stuff from my dad. It's like, it, did, it never felt right. I was like, it, it just sort of seems like a, you know, a, a cheap way to write a book. Like, yeah. I, I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? And but it was, you know, this experience, both the campaign and everything that then happened to me afterwards and, and you know, continues, uh, that I was like, you know, that's an interesting story. Because, mm. you know, I, I got to be, let's call it, you know, tip of the spear of the greatest political upset in history. You know, I got to go around the country and my hobbies between hunting, fishing, you know, competitive shooting. I, I sort of know people in middle America. Like, they, I actually consider them much more my friends than sort of the... The, I, I bourgeoisie. Yeah, I'm living. Well, I'm in New York because it's, it's it's a walk to work. But like, I don't spend my weekends here. I don't mm. vacation like that. I don't do like you know the BS like you know rubber chicken dinner like charity circuit like tuxedo <laughs> thing. That's like my idea of hell. All right. You know, so again, I'm unlikely. But like, my real friends tend to be from real America. Mm. Uh, and, and so you know, it, in seeing that and being that tip of the spear of the greatest upset in history, and then being really the number two target after my father. You know, yeah, of, of junior. The whole, yeah, of Same the whole name. Mueller <laughs> investigation. I mean, I had half of Congress sitting there being like, he committed treason. I'm like, wait a second. I, like, I took a 20-minute unsolicited phone call from a guy we had looked at doing a business deal before because we were actually business people. And like, that's a problem. But, but Hillary Clinton going and paying a foreign operative, foreign agents, to go into those countries to dig up dirt, to then give to the FBI, who leaks it to reporters. The reporters then write a story. Those same FBI then use the story of the leaked information that they gave them to justify, hmm. you know, spying, you know, on, on the duly elected president and his campaign, uh, and, you know, and putting those people. I mean, this is scary stuff. Uh, you know, I'll say, like, if you weren't sort of a conspiracy theorist before, like, 2016, I get, I get it. Right. If you aren't now, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, I got to be part of that. I, I was subjected to, you know, half of Congress trying to throw you in jail for treason. Mm-hmm. I take that pretty damn seriously as well. It's very heavy, like, you know, for sure, yeah. Uh, now, you know, we, we fight back a little different. I certainly, I guess I certainly realized I got my father's 
you know, fight back gene. Yeah, yeah. fighting <laughs> you know, spirit. You know, right. uh, you know, that whole, like, you know, maybe it's an underdeveloped sense of self-preservation. I, I don't know, but uh, we're not going to take it lightly. And, you know, throughout life, we probably, a lot of people would have said, hey, we're very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was once you put us in a sort of a corner and said, hey, we're coming after you. That's when we realized, like, all right, suit up, let's go, that we were probably a lot more similar. And it's been an interesting experience. And so, you know, with the book, I get to cover, you know, media bias, uh, you know, the hypocrisy, you know, that, that I see on a daily basis. I cover social media bias, you know, against conservative and, and even not even conservatives politically, but just people who have, whether it's, you know, Christian values, you know, whether it's the Second Amendment crowd, whether it's people who are just getting vocal and you, you, you see the differences, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's one thing to do it in sort of a hot form, you know, fast tweet, you know, 140 characters less, boom, let's, let's uh, drop a bomb. But to be able to take the thoughts and the lessons and the experiences that I've learned over the last four years and to actually, you know, put them out in long form, like I actually hope it's something that both sides can see and recognize, uh, you know, if they don't already know it, you know, we're, we're in a pretty divergent path and it's, it's not a fair, mm-hmm. it's not a fair fight or fair path right now. Well, you know, there's a bunch of things that you mentioned that I have want to get into, but the thing is, just right off the top, the reason why why your dad won, Donald won, to me is he's a rock star. He knew how to work a camera. Same reason why Obama won beforehand. Uh, it really made a lot of people vote for him because he knew how to talk to people through television from all that experience. I, I think that's fair. I think it goes beyond that, though. I, I don't know that that gives him enough credit in the sense that, yes, he, he definitely understands sort of the showmanship aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got that sure. in, you know, in your career. And, you know, there right. was guys that could do a lot of acrobatics, and then there was guys that could connect. get the crowd fired up and connect. You connect with the audience. He has that ability, without question. But, but also, don't forget, this is a guy that's been a builder his whole life. Right. This is a guy that built half the New York skyline, right? But he didn't do that just being like, okay, I like that design. I'll work with some, you know, you know, European architect and, you know, have an executive, uh, you know, across the thing. Tell me everything I want to hear. I mean, my dad made his career and was better at building because he spent time on the ground with the guys. You know, he was the guy that, you know, five o'clock in the morning, you know, he's walking to those job sites. You know, mm-hmm. when the guys show up, he's talking to them. He's not just sort of, oh, hi, how are you? And then, you know, leave. He, he'd listen to them like, hey. Okay, we're building this now, but how would you do it better? How would you save money? How would you make it more efficient? How would, you know, and so for years, 40 years, he listened to those guys and it wasn't like, okay, I'm listening. You know, he took their advice in many cases. Now he's going to make up his own mind. I think we've all seen that, mm. but he listened to everyone. So when they're like, oh, he's just a showman. That's why he knows how to talk to these people. No, he knows how to talk to those people because he's been around them for his entire life. Mm. Uh, he's, he's spent time with them. I mean, you know, he's had... You know, guys like that, you know, working class Americans, their families be dependent on his success each and every day for decades. Mm. You know, they're not talking about job creation in theory. He's done it in practice. He signed the front of a paycheck. Uh, and, and so I think it's some of those those differences. He was able to go to middle America and connect because he's been having that conversation forever. Mm-hmm. Here's something that he's done. You mentioned this in the book, just taking advantage of social media, more specifically Twitter, yep. 140 characters, 280 characters. Uh, never been a president that ever used Twitter as much as, as Donald does. Uh, more than, I mean, obviously, it's just started over the last 10 years, but Obama, I don't recall him being much of a tweeter. Trump tweets every day. Yeah. Uh, and once again, very polarizing figure, but he uses that 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 social media very, very smart. Like, like, like once again, like someone yeah. in your, like I do, you have to use that to get your, 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 your ideas and thoughts out there. hundred percent. Listen, he, he uses it. It drives a news cycle. It makes a point, but it also allows him to circumvent mm-hmm. the filter of today's right, media. Right, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, listen, I, I don't think anyone, you know, 
anyone, let, let alone your listeners, would disagree with the statement that yeah, the media has always probably been left-leaning. Today, though, they don't even try to hide it. It's just like, hey, I'm the marketing wing of the Democrat Party. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they've basically said that. And so for him, it's allowed him to play a sort of monkey in the middle. Like, if his message is going to run through some filter that's going to take what he said, totally distort it, and then spit it out, Trump said this. I mean, I saw this on the campaign. It's like, Donald Trump said this. Oh, my God. Mm. I go, when? Yesterday. Okay, I was with him yesterday. Where? In Michigan. I go, where in Michigan? Because I was there. At the rally. I go, wait a minute. Like, you mean on live TV in front of it, he said this. Well, yeah, you know, in minute number one, he said this. In minute number 14, he said this. On a different topic. On minute number 37, he said this. But if we combine them together, right. this is the all, you know, yeah, he said those words, not in that order, not in that context, not no one in their right mind that was there you know, would see it that way. But you're right. You, you put those together. You change a question mark into an exclamation point. You take away sort of his sense of humor. You've seen that one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, my God. He asked the, the Russians to look into the Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> you know, at a rally on TV in front of him. Like, it was, right. it was a joke. Like, mm-hmm. And everyone knows that it's a joke. But the media trying to sell it as though uh, it was fact. I mean, it's, it's sort of scary. It's sort of sad. I think they've undercut their credibility so much. I mean, listen, I, I can point to examples. I mean, I go into great length in this in the book. But like, you know, just last week, al-Baghdadi, okay? Mm-hmm. The leader and founder of ISIS, a man that is a known rapist, murderer. You know, he, he threw homosexuals off buildings. Mm-hmm. He doused people in gasoline in cages and lit them on fire. The Washington Post, right? I mean, this is not like, you know, a, a tabloid, right? This, the Washington Post. He's an austere mm-hmm. religious scholar. He just likes watching soccer and... You know, maybe something happened along the way, but because Trump got him, because Trump was, you know, that was like, that's the guy I want to get. And when Trump does it, they try to like pretend like this guy's a great guy. I mean, you know, when my father said, hey, like it's the mainstream media, they're the enemy of the people. Honestly, you see a headline like that, you know, about a guy that's, that there's, there should be no one in the world that doesn't say the world is a better place that that guy is no longer mm-hmm. here. Well, because Trump got him. No, no, no. We're going to try to make mm-hmm. him out to be not so bad. He's not so bad. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he was this way. Come on, man. It's not it's not fair. Uh, you know, it's not right. But again, I, I believe there are you know reasonable people that are seeing this and saying, oh, my God, this is nuts. You saw it with, you know, you saw it with The New York Times. You know, they fact check the meme, the meme that he put up about, you know, putting, the, you know, the, the puppy dog Medal of Honor yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, around the dog that went in the cave. And I mean, they're calling the White House to like, mm. yes, serious, like. You know, to try to do that, to, to jump on anything that he does, it's a little bit, you know, it's well, a little you, frustrating. You posted something on Instagram a couple of days ago going out of the UFC fight into yeah. the garden and people are cheering and there's like one guy in the corner kind of booing. Yeah, they're booing into his phone. He's going, boo, oh, look, they're all booing him. And, and I go, like, yeah, Trump gets booed out of MSG. And it's like, not really what happened. There's like two sides of the coin and it's, it's always not, painted but more that, negatively. That's the point is, you know, but then the main, you know, the BBC, mm. right, British Broadcast. I promise you, they weren't at the UFC fights, right? <laughs> but, you know, they see one person write something negative, immediately, blue check mark Twitter, this is what happened, without a doubt, Trump right. is booed. No, hey, still a conservative going into Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. in the heart of New York, okay? Right. Not exactly, right. a, you know, a conservative place. Politics aside, it's, you know, it's not. You know, I don't expect everyone to be cheering him, but to try to make it, like, 
oh, we, we got them now. We own, like, so I put out a video and then other people started posting these videos. And you could see, like, even in New York, even at MSG, I mean, Dana White looks at me and he goes, man, I've been doing this for 25 years. That was the most amazing entrance I've ever seen. Mm. Like, even he was sort of surprised that it was so the, the, welcoming. The reaction he got, but, yeah. Like, you know, blue check marks were, Trump is booed again. Everyone <laughs> hates him. I was like, oh, you know. I don't know. Maybe you got to get out of your cubicle at the New York Times and like meet some people uh, who aren't just in your echo chamber, who mm, aren't just in your vacuum, in and maybe you'll learn something. What was the relationship uh, with the media that your family had prior to Donald being elected president? <laughs> Listen, I think it was always, you know, probably a little controversial, but I think, you know, my, my father and the media, I think it was probably no one, certainly no one in business or real estate uh, that sort of had a you know, symbiotic relationship with the media. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to take their hits at times, but they'll also blow it up because they know he knows how to make that show and how to make a statement and how to make an entrance. So it, it was great, you know, for the most part before that. I mean, you know, like it wasn't so many things in pop culture. I mean, I think there's like a, 156 rap songs, you know, with Donald Trump. And like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was the most, you know, rapped about, you know, business right. he was man, a baller, most right? popular yeah. guy in pop culture. And then, you know, now you're a conservative. We, well, we, we must hate him. I'm like, that's weird. I got pictures with all these, all, mm -hmm. all the haters. It's like, how come we were hanging out here? How come right. we, he didn't have a problem then? It's really interesting, you know? One of the interesting things in the book, you know, I talk about, you know, Reverend Al Sharpton. And yeah. I mean, this is a guy that came to me when he needed a reference and a place to find, to get a place to live. Like, you know, he used to be around all the time, you know, uh, and, you know, now conveniently we're the enemy and it's this because it's all nonsense, man. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all literally like an act. Uh, and, and you can see that. I mean, you know, we're so terrible that a few years ago when you were looking for a new place to stay, you called me to help you out. Like, come on, man. Like, sell it with a straight face or at least tell the other half of the story. Where did the controversy come from with me? Is the fact that, like you mentioned earlier, that now Donald has the freedom to to give his own news and the gatekeepers don't really are in charge anymore, if you're talking well, about Well, I, you know, I think, you know, th that's a combination. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, you know, he's taken on the establishment really on both sides, right? I mean, it's not like he hasn't had pushback from some of the sort of the Washingtonian elite, you know, that have done there that I don't know a single thing that they've done that's all that good. Maybe it's top secret, but you certainly don't see it in the results for the country and any of the economic numbers until now. And, you know, but, you know, there's, there is that pushback. No one wants to you know, have someone come in from the outside and threaten, you know, mm. threaten the dominance that they've had. You know, all their buddies are getting rich. There's never been a consequence to being wrong as a politician. You sort of lose an election, you become a lobbyist, you know, you go back and do it again, you know. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I think it's a little different. And so I think there is sort of a, you know, just an attack on like, oh my God, this guy's threatening, you know, the, Thing that we've built that's been so good for us. The only problem is it hasn't been good for anyone else outside of the Beltway in D.C. You know, and, and I think that you know that mentality poses a threat. And when you pose a threat, you know, you attack. And I, you know, I get that. I, it, one of the funny things I told a story. You know, we were leaving my father's office right upstairs from here uh, on uh, June sixteenth, twenty fifteen, uh, and I tell the story. The last thing he said to us as we're going down in the elevator before he walked over to the escalator and we greeted him down there to announce, you know, I'm running. He just looks me in the eyes and he just goes. And now we find out who our real friends are. Hmm. And like, it was sort of amazing because like he just understands human nature. He knew, but more importantly, what makes it so much cooler is that he knew it would be brutal. He knew it was be vicious. He knew people that, you know, were friends would all of a sudden pretend like that never happened hmm. uh, because he was going to have to say the things that needed to be said to, to actually win. I just give you, okay, here are the talkers from our side. And, you know, I believe in this 100%. You know, it, mm -hmm. He doesn't. He's a sort of, you know, a pragmatist and make up his own mind. But you know, more importantly about that statement was he knew how vicious it was going to be and he did it anyway. You know, he, he said, you know what? I'm sick of it. It's time to step up. I mean, if you look at one of, you know, the, the pinned tweet on my, in, uh, my Twitter profile for so long was literally him on Oprah 
in like 1986, <laughs> having the same conversation. He's saying, like, we're making bad trade deals. We're getting taken advantage of. And he's the first guy to actually take on <laughs> those things. Like, why, why weren't those issues addressed over the last 40 years? Hmm. Now, why did no one discuss trade? Why did no one take on this? Why did no one do anything about prison reform? It's not a Republican issue. It's not benefiting his base. It's a human issue. It's a human issue. It was the right thing to do, but you know, no one talks about those mm -hmm. things because you know, God forbid, you know, you can't give him props. He is the enemy to, mm -hmm. you know, the the lifestyle and culture that that we've established in DC. Let's talk about you for a bit, though. When you're talking about, like, you know, we mentioned Trump being probably the most polarizing president in U.S. history. There's stadiums of supporters, and there's people who literally want to, you know, hang him up from a, from a oak tree somewhere. How was that for you, uh, as the son bearing the same name? You can't yeah, escape no, it. No, you can't. Pros and cons. Listen, I, you've obviously, hey, I'm the son of a rich guy. I've, I've gotten great benefit throughout that my whole life. You know, I think they spoiled us the right way growing up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We work real jobs. I, you know, I say I'm the only son of a billionaire who can drive a D10 Caterpillar because we actually had to do those things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My brother and I, and like he made us run chainsaws and we weren't mm -hmm. like, you worked as a bartender yeah, in Colorado. I, yeah, that, that yeah. was a fun conversation. I like that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First graduate of the Wharton School of Finance, where he went to go move to Colorado to be a bartender for about 18 what about, months. How'd you break that to your dad? Yeah, it was over the phone, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, one of the, uh, let's call it less than awesome uh, conversations <laughs> I've had with him, uh, you know, in my life. And it was like, okay. But congratulations, like you're on your own. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying you a place. And, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, so, not going to be you know, Don's sort of, bar and grill. Figure it out. I mean, I, I got sort of lucky. They forgot to cancel my gas card. So I still had a gas card. So I was like, you know, I, I was eating at a gas station. That's what I did too. My yeah, dad was, gave me a gas card was, too. I was, I was like, 18. That's the one thing, the, the credit card was gone. I got to go figure that out on my Burritos and Hostess cupcakes, oh, man. I, man. I, you know, I, I made it like a year on that. It was like, man, he's burning a lot of gas. No, no, one, no one thought that, you know, like. So, you know, I, I, got, a, I got a little subsidy, though, mm. unintentional. You know, but, uh, you know, I think throughout our lives, again, I, I probably on paper wouldn't be that. But I, I again, I relate more to probably just regular people because of that. I sort of mm. always, you know, I think I got you know, quite a bit of that from my grandfather and my mom growing right. up with those backgrounds in Eastern Europe and spending the time over there. It was, uh, it, it was humbling. I think it ta taught me not to take anything for granted. Now, today in this environment, hey, I'm out there fighting as much as anyone because, mm. frankly— you know, we need more people willing to to step up and willing to say the things that, you know, they may be unpopular and you may not get invited to the cool person party, but hey, it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be said. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, and, and you have so few people that are willing to actually step up and say those things, even if they believe it. You know, I, I'd love to see that change. Because you get in a lot of hot water from what you see, because we are in, you know, the, the Me Too, they say the snowflake, you know, society that yeah. we live in. And you address a lot of that in your book as well. Oh, I, I hit it all. I mean, you know, and, and it's funny, you get so many people like, Hey man, you know I, I agree with what you said. I was like, well, why don't you say that? Mm -hmm. You know, they're whispering it to me, like, you know, you're 100 percent right on this. I mean, we have to start being able to say those things publicly, like, you know. And if you're not, I think that's what sort of brought you Trump. Is he's the guy that's willing to say the things that so many guys are thinking, don't want to be said, but yeah. but won't vocalize for fear of the repercussion. You know, like I said, there's also another a uh, great chapter about Jesse Smollett. Yeah. And that's interesting because I had heard about it, but didn't really delve into it. And then reading your book, it's like. What a ridiculous! What was his end game in trying to? Well, to, it was to it was attention. This. It was to get more salary. It was to be, you know, a leader of the woke movement. But I, I think the point of that chapter is, and I got killed on it when I was first guy to be like, you know, and what this is, I was the first guy with something to lose. Jesse Smollett was the guy that said, you know, hey, you know, I went out. It's a rich actor, right, mm -hmm. on a, on a show on Empire, right? It's a, I guess, an African American like rap music rap, like, sort of drama, story about that, whatever. Drama, that. Yeah. You know, he goes out and says. You know, two guys, two white guys in MAGA hats in downtown Chicago. Now, this was mid-February on the coldest night of the year. 
Two guys were walking around down to Chicago in MAGA hats. They happened to have a noose and a bucket of bleach, and they poured it on him. And, I, you know, listen, and the media was like, oh, this is the greatest thing, because it was like the perfect scenario, mm, right? They attacked White supremacists them, yeah. attacking a gay black actor in the streets of Chicago wearing MAGA hat and chanting MAGA country. Like, I've been all around, quote unquote, MAGA country. Okay. You know, you, know what, you know what those people call it? MAGA country. What? They call it America. <laughs> I've literally never heard the term MAGA country until Jesse Smollett. And I've been all over mm-hmm. what, what he would have deemed MAGA country. And so I was sort of the first guy to be like, okay, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and immediately. They, it's so they preposterous, though. Because they, everyone, every major TV person, this happened. Oh, my God. Kill these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to hit Trump. And I just said, okay, like, step back. If it happened. Fry them. Mm-hmm. If it happened, throw the book at them. That kind of shit yeah, yeah. shouldn't happen in this country at all. You like those people deserve the worst that's coming to them. But I said, it just seems a little odd to me. And so I said, first of all, how many guys, white guys, would be dumb enough to wear a MAGA hat in downtown Chicago? You'd last four <laughs> seconds before getting shot. Okay, so I'm saying, starting off a little bit weird. But I go. How these guys, obviously, they're carrying bleach and a noose made of twine, right? Like a thin twine, like your hair braided together, right? (laughs) I said, how many guys would walk around downtown Chicago in MAGA hats with that on the coldest night of the year? That was actually documented at two in the morning, hoping that a really rich actor would happen to want and have an insatiable craving to go get Subway sandwich. Give me, I'm saying, I don't know, man. It just doesn't sound. And dude, I got got thrown off Instagram. They canceled my post. They said it was hate Did they? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Wow. You know, for only asking a question, which was, I don't know. Like, has anyone even thought to maybe question this? But no, no, no. It was it was the narrative that the other side wanted. So there was no questioning. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm spreading conspiracy theories. I'm creating hate. So I just said, I don't see it, man. Like, you know what a really rich actor does at two o'clock in the morning if they get a craving? They order Seamless. <laughs> They're not going to Subway. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. You know, then he won't turn over the phone to the cops. He's still wearing the noose 45 minutes later. Like, mm. this is not the way a reasonable person would behave. So it started sort of crumbling. And these guys are going after me. And I just stuck to my guns. But like, again, it. so many people are like, you're so right on this. But we can't say anything because we're going to get canceled. And I'm like, well, you guys, like. You got to be able to ask a question these days, mm-hmm. you know, and so obviously the whole thing turns out to be this ridiculous, you know what I mean? Well, and he was doing it just to, to, to doing it to, you know, he wanted to get anti- a bigger raise and he was an activist for, you know, right. this sort of stuff. And so this is how to get That's attention so and everyone was going to jump to his side, you know, and you know, the, the reality, like you know, how many white supremacists, quote unquote, you know, how many of them are watching empire? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in African American, like, it's like, I don't like this, none of this makes sense. <laughs> right, it's right. the dumbest like, he may be a good actor, but he's a really shitty storyteller because, like, no one would come up with a story that dumb or that bad. But, like, that's going on. And then you see, you know, people just uncovering these sort of fake hate crimes because they know they'll get the coverage. They'll know they'll get whatever they want. Uh, you know, and yet when, you know, like when actual people a couple of weeks ago, you know, there were, you know, Trump supporters that went to a Trump rally in Minnesota, you know, and they come out. And they're literally beaten in the streets. Mm. No arrest, no this. Media, total silence. Right. Total right. silence. But, you know, someone does a meme that was, I was speaking at a, uh, a political conference and in a back room somewhere, someone showed a meme that was like, you know, it was like, you know, cartoon where they replaced like CNN little emojis yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, you know, literally was like depicting violence against the media. It was front page on the New York Times. How terrible is this? There's a billboard. There was a billboard in Times Square with a guy strangling my father trying to sell clothing. Like, no coverage of that. Right. But the meme depicting violence, a cartoon meme 
That gets front page outrage, outrage mm-hmm. from the New York Times. But actual violence, people getting beat in the streets. Well, they're Trump supporters. Maybe they deserve it. A complacency that is, you know, complicity that's just, it's truly disgusting. And again, you know, that's what was great about the book. Because I can sort of call it out in a tweet and I can, you know, even on a show, but to have 300 pages to sort of lay out mm-hmm. your arguments, that's been really important to me because that is right. They're like, well, you didn't, you neglected to say this. Like, well, I got four minutes in an interview. You're going to ask me seven questions. Like, I got 12 seconds to make my point. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> like, I did the best I could. Yeah. But, you know, to take it through there, you know, I talk about that with the Biden you know, the Hunter Biden controversy versus Donald Trump Jr. I was like, in the book, I can explain the differences. You know, in the media, they're like, well, you're the son of a rich guy too. I go, yeah, but like we did that as private businesses. Like we were international business people, Chris, for decades. Mm-hmm. You, you know that, right? Of course. I mean, we stopped doing any new deal going forward when my father won, okay? Now we have deals that were under construction and from 2012, like you gotta finish, you have a contractual obligation to, to, to finish, but we won't do, we wouldn't pursue new deals internationally going forward just in case, now, Hunter Biden, he became magically an international businessman, got an $83,000 a month board seat uh, in a country he doesn't speak the language of, on a business he knows nothing about because his dad's in charge. Like, he was literally making money because of the power of his father's taxpayer-funded office. We stopped doing any of those things. I said, you guys are the same. It's, no, we're not. He magically became an international businessman. He went on Air Force Two with his father to China and came back with $1.5 billion from the Chinese Investment Authority. Like, if I did that, the media, their heads would explode. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like, well, you're the son of a rich guy too. It's like, I acknowledge that. I am in large part who I am and where I am because of my father. I can't do anything about that. And I don't begrudge Hunter that. But don't do it under the guise of his father's a humble public servant, you know, humble public servant's son who's getting 83 grand a month for a no-show job in the Ukraine. Right. And then he's on camera saying, you know, if you don't fire that prosecutor investing my, investigating my son's company, I'm pulling your aid. You know, and then they say, well, your father said that he, it's like, yeah. And the day after he released the transcript, all of the nonsense, all of the showmanship that's going on now, it's literally people's opinion. Most of them, and I put out a tweet about this a couple of weeks ago, who wants to bet that all these guys are somehow tied to Biden and the left wing and it's turning out to be true because right. we figured out this game. But again, it's that false equivalency uh, that they put out there. So for, the, for me, the book, to be able to sit down and be able to be like, I got 300 pages to make my point. Mm-hmm. It's sort of awesome. And I think I can get that. And I think, again, because anything I say will go through that media filter and the outrage will go, you know, only one way. I think it gives people who are willing to read it and people objective, you know, again, there's going to be people on left. I'm never, I could, I could do nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I could do to satisfy them. Uh, but there are people in the middle that can read that and say, okay, I get the difference. And I see that mainstream media and all of the coverage has very selectively neglected to give me all of the facts. Mm-hmm. They're giving me a select subset of facts, you know, that really works to drive home their narrative, not the whole picture. When you're talking about your, your dad, obviously you're one of his right hand man. Is there anything that he's done where you went, dad, come on. It's funny, Chris, I've never had that issue. <laughs> I, you know, it's a, uh, no, we get asked that all the time. Of course. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be a Trump if I didn't disagree with people, even if I agree with them most of the time. You know, there are, th- but, you know, I, I will say this. I sort of respect more every day, frankly, the way that he handles it. And I understand people, well, you know, does he have to be that aggressive? Hey, you know, mm. when they've spent years trying to throw you in jail and they, they're literally attacking your family, you know, Hunter Biden at 50 doing all of those shady things is totally off limits because family's off limits. Didn't stop them from trying to put me in jail for two and a half years, right? Uh, it doesn't stop them from literally this weekend at the world, like attacking Baron Trump, who's 13. Hmm. You know, it doesn't stop them. What from- did they attack him at? 
because you know because they didn't go to the World Series, so maybe oh, he hates geez. his father oh and all gosh, of the nonsense. Yeah, you know, yeah. doesn't stop them from attacking my sister Tiffany, who's twenty five and in law school, and you know didn't ask for any of this stuff. You know, but Hunter Biden, who's fifty, you know, he's off get, getting all the he's off limits. Mm. You can't do that. That's not fair. It's like give me a break. Mm. There's a few more things you were talking about. Another chapter, the last chapter in the book is about 2020 and Trump in 2020. No intentions of, of not continuing on. And what do you think? I mean, obviously the chances are very good in your opinion, but you mentioned a lot about the about the Democrats and how yeah. there really isn't a strong contender, shall we say, well, strong I, candidate. I don't think there's a strong field. Again, you know, you know, mm. you, you like, again, obviously this is probably more political than you're getting used to, but it's sort of been no, part no, of my yeah. life. But, you know, I, I think it's some of it's cultural as well. But like, you know, Joe Biden wouldn't be a viable candidate for the Democrats if it wasn't for the fact that Trump's there. Mm-hmm. Meaning Joe Biden, half the time, he doesn't remember what state he's in. I mean, just you know, Google it. And that's mm-hmm. them covering up for him. I mean, yesterday I saw you know, a picture of him speaking to a group of 20 people with teleprompters. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, that's fine. Right. That's great now. How are you going to do when you're one-on-one with Trump for six months? Like, right, right, right. I, you know, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you know, this is a woman who got trolled into taking a DNA test because her entire life was based on being Native American. You know, she's a minority Native American. She gets trolled into taking the DNA test. But more importantly than that, Chris, imagine, imagine having the judgment to getting back that test. And it says you're one, maybe. It just said maybe one 1,024th. Mm. And being like, holy shit, this is a win. Like we got Trump. Like if, if I was 50% Native American and tried to go out there saying it, like they'd, they'd destroy me. She had the judgment to be like, one one thousand and twenty fourth. You know, in a room of a thousand people, maybe one of them somewhere was one of her ancestors was Native American. Wow, but, okay. but you know, she got tenure, she got jobs, she got you know boosted throughout her entire career, taking advantage of of this where they could have gone to a, an actual minority that really could have probably used the help. She does that, and it's like, oh yeah, no, we're totally good with this. One one thousand and twenty fourth. I mean, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So you know, I like our odds. Uh, certainly on paper, when you look at the accomplishment, all-time low unemployment numbers, African-Americans for Hispanics. I mean, everyone's wages going up from the lowest level, not just, you know, the rich guys at top. That's important because real people are finally seeing, uh, you know, some benefits. You know, Joe Biden, you know, it's you know, $2,000 that the average American, that's nothing. You know, Nancy Pelosi said it was crumbs. He said, oh, it's negligible. It's a lot of money to the average mm-hmm. American family. And it's sort of sad. And what does it say about our political class that me, me, the son of a billionaire for New York gets that? But they don't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they, they oh, ho, ho, it's a lot of money for the average American. I mean, that's, mm. that's a lot. That's game changer. You know, you see blue check Twitter, you know, running around. Hey, we've done a really good job convincing Americans that they haven't seen any benefits from tax reform, even though 94% have. I mean, they're literally joking that they're like pulling the wool over actual people's eyes and doing it on purpose as a lie. If we were doing those things, it would be the end of the world. And so, you know, the hypocrisy, you know, is the big part of that. I mean, you know, and obviously the messaging and the social media censorship, you said it, my father has figured out how to get it to the people, but you see actively, and I use other examples, not just Smollett, but other examples where, you know, guys are like, Don, I tried liking a post. It was a picture of you and your kids. And, you know, they're sending me video, taking the time to do that. And you see the heart goes on and it disappears. Heart goes on, disappears. Third time, you've been locked out of your account for 24 hours. Seriously? Yeah, for liking a post. You know, not like one of my hot posts either. Right. You know, and they're, they're sending it to my DMs. Like, I don't, not people I follow. Mm-hmm. So they're writing a long paragraph, sh- sending video on the hopes that maybe I read it. And I do, because I, I'd like to stay in touch with those people pretty well. And I see you know, hundreds of examples. I'm like, man, it's a one-way street. They've never heard of a leftist complaining about being shadow banned, demonetized, you know, right, censored, right, locked right, out of right, their right. accounts. You, you got conservative religious groups. All of a sudden, they're following media matters, you know, like left-wing <laughs> organizations that they didn't sign up to follow. I had, you know, Kimberly, my girlfriend, 
Don, I've had to follow you four times this week. I go, that, may I piss you off that much this week? I was like, that? You know, like, listen, I get it. I can, I can be a pain in the ass. Like, right. you, you stopped following me? No, I didn't stop following you. They stopped following you for me. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, you see those kind of things. And so on paper, you know, I would say 2020 is over by now. Mm -hmm. But you're, it's not because you got that uphill, you know, you got pop culture. You got, you know, LeBron James out there, you know. Trump's terrible. Trump's this. But how about China? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, I don't have an opinion on that one. Oh, you don't have an opinion. Like, you don't have an opinion. You, you can talk smack about America you know, for five years, but the the well-documented atrocities of the Chinese regime, you don't have a problem with it? Mm -hmm. How about this? Man up and just say, hey, I make a lot of money there. I'm not going to I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds. At least I'd respect that. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the opinion, but I'd respect it because that's what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. But to magically pretend you all of a sudden don't have an opinion and hide behind that. Oh, I'm not I'm not educated enough on the matter. Hey, LeBron, you know, Steve Kerr, <laughs> it, it, it ain't quantum physics. Mm -hmm. Okay, this this is no surprise. Uh, both sides of the American political spectrum, but I get it. You know, you, you want your sneakers made there. I understand. Mm. But just own that. Don't bullshit me. Is the uh, possibility of impeachment legit? Is that something you guys... I don't think so. I mean, listen, yeah. the House will keep trying. I mean, because they've yeah. said it. I mean, Hillary said it. Yeah. You know, other people in the House. Well, we're not going to beat them, so we got to impeach them. I mean, they're literally saying that. And then you have this sham, you know, democracy dies in darkness, according to the Washington Post, you know, the Amazon Washington Post. It, it dies in darkness, but they don't have a problem with this impeachment inquiry where Adam Schiff, you know, who's been talking for three years about how he has evidence that no one else has magically seen, you know, about collusion and all that. There's no accountability. There's no this. He's judge, jury, executioner. He decides who the witnesses are. He doesn't allow Republicans to ask questions. And then he's going to say, well, then we're going to just call these. So he's literally basically guiding people, find out who's going to tell him what he wants to hear. And then that will be the person that gets called publicly. And these will be the questions that he's allowed to answer. It's a sham. Hmm. And, and again, I do think the American people get it. I mean, I think the American public is so much smarter than the liberal elite would like them, would like to believe that they are. I mean, I saw it. There, there's a level of hatred and disdain uh, from the media. I think the best example I saw, we launched the 2020 campaign back in like June right. uh, down in Orlando. And we went down there and 47,000 people showed up mm. for a political rally. That doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that, that's a, you know, that, that may not even happen in the WWE, <laughs> right? That, that's like WrestleMania on right, crack, right? right? right, right. Uh, and 47,000 people show up to an arena that holds 25 mm. for two days. They're there for 48 hours in advance. It's raining. It's hot, humid, thunderstorms. Not one person left. It was beautiful. I got to introduce the VP who introduced my father. There was like a big love fest. I mean, it, it was amazing. And I go back and I'm, I think I'm on Air Force One flying back with my father. And we turn on the commentators afterwards to see what they said about the rally. Ugh, did you see those people? Mm. And these are just people that are into the political process for the first time, seeing a president that's delivered for them, you know, they, they were in their flip-flops. That must be their formal attire. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, you know, are, are they not the enemy of the people? I mean, mm -hmm. they can't stand these hardworking Americans. They can't, they, they want everyone to be their same little New York City bubble. You know, and again, I get it. I'm the guy from New York City. I, you know, I, uh, it may not be where I spend much of my time or where I hang out, but I'm from there. But, I, you know, again, I know people on both sides and like to have that sort of hatred for just, hardworking Americans who just want to live their American dream and who have the gall, the gall to want their kids to live that American dream, to want their kids to benefit from their tax dollars, you know, rather than sending it to some, you know, country in far off lands where they hate our guts, they hate our freedoms, they hate our values. Like, come mm. on, give me a break. Like that, it's not a reasonable, it's not even a reasonable approach. And so, uh, you know, again, I, I talk about, you know, that aspect of sort of you know, the culture in the book. And, and it's been an awesome experience because it was kind of cathartic to write it. Again, when you're sure going is. through the, yeah. uh, the sort of hell. Now, again, I realized I probably have a different sort of, you know, fight or flight, you know, response to, again, you know, being in the crosshairs of 
Congress and the, you know the Senate and House Intelligence Committees and these kind of that kind of. But uh, you know, it, it's been an important lesson. I think Trump's taught people, hey, you can fight back. You mm. know, you know, it's turning the other cheek is nice sometimes, but like, you know, when when your values and your principles are on the line, like, what does it get you? Mm. You got to push back. Last thing to talk about. There's been a, a a great relationship between the WWE Vince McMahon and, and Donald Trump for years. All the way back to WrestleMania four or five in Atlantic City. At, at, uh, it was awesome. I was there. I was just going to ask you: Were you there? Yeah. I, I, what are your I was, memories it, of that? Because what are you uh, about ten years old oh, at man, that time I, or something? I was little. I mean, this yeah. was this was really early on. And yeah. I mean, you know, he's done such an amazing job and built such an incredible. Linda McMahon literally runs. The, That's right. The Trump super. She pack. works like, for Trump. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and she's done. A, you know, and, and by the way, she's one of those unsung heroes. Oh my that, gosh. Know, no, but she is a Tell rock star. That woman's never failed in anything she's done in her life. She ran the Small Business Administration for us, and again. You know, accomplished woman, done, just rock star, does incredible things. Name a story in the media about Linda McMahon that was positive. You know what I mean? During it's zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. now Trump's a misogynist. Really? He, he's he's <laughs> like a, a woman's running the pro Trump super PAC, like in charge, like <laughs> yeah. the boss. The woman's running the small business administration. You know, mm-hmm. the part that funds all the small business that my father said he's going to grow. A woman's doing that. Not a not an article, not of this. But no, he's a terrible. He would never employ women. Mm-hmm. Like. So that's why, you know, people just got to have to get through that soundbite. But no, the, the McMahons have been, you know, been awesome. And, you know, they've been friends for a long time. So talk about your memories of WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, it was awesome. I and mean, when, you, when you see that, hey, I, I've gone back more recently in the last, you know, in, yeah, in the yeah. last decade, I've come back. I've, I've seen some of those things. I mean, I went out there. Where the heck was it? It may have been Minnesota, you know, when, when my dad yeah. uh, and, and Vince McMahon did, the, you know, the battle of the hair. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, watch my, you know, watch Stone Cold, you know, give my dad the stunner was pretty, you know, one, one of the- Battle them. of the billionaires. You know, and then yeah. watching my dad come off the ropes on Vince McMahon, <laughs> you know, I was like, this is one of the greatest things ever. I mean, yeah. I, I would say that is another, it is a first and a last probably mm-hmm. for any U.S. president yeah. now or any time in He's the future. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, he is in the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it was amazing to see that stuff and it, it's you know it, it's such a cool thing and it's you know uh you know i grew up sort of watching it and you know through college uh you know a couple of the guys on my team are like even even today like just avid you know avid <laughs> uh, fans and watchers you know i don't have as much time as i used to <laughs> sure. uh you know but, but it's an amazing thing and even my kids sort of watch it and just watching that storyline evolve over the years has been incredible do you do what do you watch you see you don't have a lot of spare time do you watch any shows on TV? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big outdoorsman right so yeah. you know when, when i i don't I actually for you know for all this you know let's call it, you know, sort of manly stuff that I do, whether it's hunting, fishing, shooting, all that. Like, I, I don't watch much sports mm. these days. I mean, part of it, I think, uh, you know, now that I'm not in college, like sort of recovering from a hangover on a couch, it's a little different. You know, <laughs> I, I got young kids. I try to get them outdoors, try to, you know, make sure they experience more than a New York City lifestyle. You know, they're riding ATVs and out there. I'm a big, you know, again, outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman. Uh, you know, every weekend I'm doing that. So I, I literally, when it when it's daylight and I'm not, you know, working, whether it's this, you know, at, at the office or, you know, out there politically sort of, you know, fighting for my father and the, the Republicans that are uh, that are doing that for him. I, I sort of do the exact opposite of that. I, I've, I'm, I'm in the outdoors. I'm doing mm. something like that. You big fisherman? Big. You ever been up big. to Canada to fish? I, I have. I've been all over Canada fishing. I've been up in, you know, the Yukon quite a bit, you know, mostly, uh, you, know, not, you know, hunting. I mean, my, my idea of a vacation is, you know, throwing on a backpack and a rifle and getting dropped off in the Yukon <laughs> in 10 days. No base camp, no nothing, living out of a tent and you know, that, that's what I do on my vacation time. So it's, it's not, you know, uh, the idea of like a, a luxury resort on a beach somewhere is my idea of hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I like sort of getting snowed on in August, you know what it's like up there. And so, you know, I, I've, I've fished all over Canada. I've hunted all over Canada, you know, spent a lot of time in, in, in that part of the 
the world, and it's just it's awesome. When you go up there like that, do you have to have a Secret Service guy come with you? Yeah, you know, it's not easy to take people into you know when you're literally going into the wilderness. Right. If you're not into that, if you're not you know sort of experienced mountaineer and all of that stuff, and you know again, this is not like hey you know base camp we're going back to a lodge. This is like you're carrying a sixty pound pack, and like wherever you stop walking at the end of the day, you're setting up a tent. Right. So, you know, I, I've I've figured out the ability to be able to sign off on some of those trips to be able to say, hey, listen, I. I, I got to be able to do that on my own. I'm you know, still a 41 year old man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sort of set in my ways. It's a little different. And so you, you still need to be able to live that life. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, there's times where I need it, you know, in, in this oh, city, sure. I'm, I'm the number I get the, according to them, I get the most second, most death threats, uh, <laughs> second only to my father, uh, in America, which is wonderful. So, you know, there, there's definitely a time and a place. And then I've tried to, you know, figure out that system where, you know, and some of those select things, you know, I, I'm probably much more in danger of a, of a bear than a lab, rabid liberal. Oh yeah, man. Moose in Canada, the most dangerous oh, yeah, animal that, you can that, have. That, that, they're, they're awesome up there too. That's just a lot of fun and you know, get it going up there on the rivers and yeah. getting that done. Dude, you're a very charismatic guy. You're obviously learning. I'm sure you get asked this all the time. Any aspirations? You know, honestly, everyone does. I do enjoy the fight. Like I, I sort of, you know, I, I like taking the mic and, you know, going around the country and seeing these people who are benefiting from that. I mean, you know, when you have these people, like literally tears in their eyes being like, you know, thank you for doing this. Like you guys have, you know, changed my life for the better. There's no better feeling in the mm. world than that. Like, so I, I like the fight aspect of it, which is frankly probably the, the part you need to like most because it's, it's brutal and it's vicious, especially on our side. Uh, you know, I don't know that I want the day job, mm. you know, dealing with, you know, 535 members. And kind of, now, that doesn't mean that doesn't change uh, in time. I sort of never want to rule it out. But right now and today, my only focus is four more years. You know, it's, mm. it's the election mm. in right, 2020, right, right. making sure my father gets to do that because I think he can get the country going back on the right track, uh, what, what I believe to be the right track. Because, you know, not everyone's going to agree with that. But again, I don't, I don't think there's an economic metric that you can point to that we're not better off today, you know, than we were three years ago. And I do that on college campuses and they're like, uh, come on, guys, give me one. <laughs> you know, you may not love him. You may not love the vessel. I, I understand that. But I think, you know, when, when you then put yourself in his shoes and you see the attacks and the viciousness, like, you know, the conservatives always take some hits, but like no one's had it like this. Mm-hmm. No one's had it this bad. And, you know, I, I, again, I try to I try to do that in, in, in middle America, going to people who are, you know, you know, Don, if, if if my grandfather knew I was voting for a Republican, he'd be rolling over in his grave. And I go, I, you know, I get that, man. I understand the history of sort of Democrats being the party of the working class, but I go, what happened to that party? Like, is that today's party? And they, they, I mean, they, they sort of vote robotically almost out of that tradition. And when I ask, I go, so what do you think the top five issues are for the Democrat party? And what do you think your grandfather would think of those? And that's when like the, the light bulb goes off and they're like, yeah, you're right, man. This mm-hmm. isn't my grandfather's Democrat party. Like that party has been taken over. It's not even, I don't even say Democrat because people are like, you're insulting, insulting Democrats. I'm, I'm not really, like I have a lot of Democrat friends. I have people that, you know, they get it. They're American as, as, as anyone. But the leadership of the party has gone leftist. It's no longer, you know, what you, you know, John F. Kennedy, I'd say he'd be viewed as today. He's alt-right. He's a, mm. you know, neo-Nazi scum. Like, Interesting. It's just, the party has, has left the people, not the other way around. And I think once people recognize it, the light bulb goes off and it's like, wait a second, you're right. Like, the, you know, the things that are a big deal for them are, are not a big deal. They're not going to help me and my family anymore. Uh, you know, Donald Trump was the guy that recognized that void and filled it and has done a great job executing since then. Well, if you ever decide to run, my mother-in-law, Chach Malone, told me to tell you she would vote for you. Well, <laughs> and she's buying your book, too. I, I, I appreciate it. That, 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 you know, it's, it starts. That, that's one. That's now, one. I, I need 300 million more. You know, probably only about 65 million more, but I want to win them all because I'm a Trump. But, uh, you know, that, that's a good one. There you go. Thank you so much, hey, man. Thank appreciate you very much, it. Chris. Great, Great being stuff. with you. Thank you. 
All right, Donald Trump's, uh, Trump's Jr. new book, Triggered, How the Left Thrives on Hate and Wants to Silence Us, is out now. It's available wherever you get books. Uh, thanks again for Donald Trump Jr. for carving out some time for Talk is Jericho. Probably the most controversial episode I've ever done. Uh, did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you hate me? Do you want to crucify me? Do you want to hang me from a from a tree? Uh, please let us know on the Twitter at I am Jericho. Uh, thanks for listening, though, and thanks to all of you for selling out Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at C Part 2. You can still go on board if you sign up for the waiting list now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Uh, we just came up with some great ideas the other day with the fine people of Six Man for some of the activities we're going to be doing. So much stuff. It's going to be the vacation of a lifetime. So go check it out. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I don't have to go through the whole uh, lineup again. You know who's going to be on there. You know what kind of fun we're going to have. And we're sold out. We're, uh, we're topped out. So if you still want to go, go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and sign up for the waiting list now. And hopefully we can still get you on board. So uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Coming up on Wednesday, going back to wrestling, AEW's Awesome Kong is going to be here. Uh, we had Ronnie James Dio's wife, Wendy Dio, talking about holograms. Uh, on Wednesday, we had Donald Trump Jr. talking about politics today. Let's go back to wrestling with Awesome Kong on Wednesday. Where else are you going to get this type of diversity on a podcast? Only here on Talk is Jericho. We thank you so much for joining us. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. See you next week.